Hey guys, if you're a regular listener to the Untangled Faith podcast, you're probably wondering why you have a new episode in your feed today. This is not a normal podcast day. And this is a bonus episode that I recorded with Lauren Thoman in September. And I shared it with my Patreon community who helps support the show a couple times a month. This is the sort of thing that I would give to them. So if you're interested in being a part of that membership community, you can go to patreon.com slash untangled faith. That's patreon.com slash untangled faith. Enjoy your bonus content and I will see you on our regularly scheduled podcast day. Hey guys, Lauren Thoman joined me for episode 16 of the Untangled Faith podcast. She graciously agreed to stick around and answer a question for our membership community. Take a listen to hear how processing accounts of spiritual abuse has been helpful for Lauren. How has processing these accounts helped you personally? So you and me came to following these sorts of stories very differently because you started following them first and then realized, oh crap, I'm in a bad situation that has a lot of parallels to these stories. Whereas I was very determinedly ostriching and being like, I'm just not going to listen to anything my husband's employer is saying, because I'm pretty sure if I did, we'd have to have a conversation about whether he continues his employment there. And so my solution was like, well, I'm just not going to pay attention to that. (laughs) And for us, you know, he got a different job and we weren't there anymore. You know, it wasn't with another Christian organization and we were just kind of like living our lives, putting it behind us and then kind of got blindsided by all the toxicity that we were ignoring. Yeah. Came after us. (laughs) It showed up. It showed up literally on my doorstep. Yeah. And completely out of the blue. And because we had been so actively not paying attention, we had like no idea what was going on. Okay. Obviously the not paying attention thing did not help us. That was not beneficial in any way. (laughs) I had a little bit of preparation for the crap to show up. We were in no way prepared for the idea of if an organization has a lot of toxicity to it, leaving it doesn't necessarily mean it won't get you. Like, and so at that point it was like, all right, turtling into my shell did not do anything to actually protect us. And in the meantime, what harm was done while we were actively not paying attention. So it was like, all right, well, new strategy, let's pay attention. Yeah. (laughs) Fancy that. Let's actually start listening to, first of all, the other people from the organization we had been in who had also left, who we had not talked to. I was like, okay, let's start hearing those stories. Let's start finding out what experiences other people had. And that's been really challenging in a lot of ways because it's a lot of, wow, how could things have been different if I was paying attention? Could we have saved anyone from any of this hurt if we had been willing to look at it instead of closing our eyes? And then also in just looking at other churches and other organizations, even 
outside of the Christian sphere, just reading stories of abuse and oppression. And it really becomes so much clearer when you're actually willing to look at all the messy things and the unpleasant things, how closely related so many of them are. What do you mean by closely related? Well, churches don't exist in a bubble. We go to our church on Sundays and, you know, some of us grew up going twice on Sundays and once on Wednesdays and, you know, several times in between. But there's a lot of life outside of that that also helps shape the kind of culture that you are willing to buy into and perpetuate. So I started reading, I've read a lot of books on systemic racial injustice and about sexism in different forms and, you know, both in the Christian world and in the secular world and, you know, books on abuse and how those systems of abuse work, how abusers can get away with it, how abusers can gain power and how they hold on to that power and the ways they silence people. And it becomes clear, like there's a lot of intersectionality between all of those things. I think it gives a better idea of what sorts of things to keep an eye out for. Mm -hmm. For example, even though I am a person of color, it wasn't until like recent years that I actually started paying attention to, am I the only person of color in this room or one of very, very few? And if so, why? What is it about the group that I'm in that is skewing so heavily in one direction? Right. And, And how that interacts with, you know, who is getting the opportunities here? Who is getting a chance to get their foot in the door? You know, who's getting that first interview? Who's getting their voice elevated? And all these things are, I think, important questions to ask as far as like, am I in a healthy place? Is this organization that I'm participating in healthy? And even if it's healthy, what are, where are the shortcomings? What are the ways that it can improve? And, you know, just doing a lot of listening and reading has really helped kind of open my eyes to the idea of there is always a way we can do better. There is always room for improvement. And I think that has to come with a lot of humility of what problems am I contributing to still? And how can I remedy that? What are the first steps? What is the next right thing? Because it is pretty much never complacency. There is always a next right thing, but sometimes it involves, you know, really looking hard at yourself and your motivations and the company you keep and the voices you're listening to and all of those things. And so, yeah, I think just paying attention in general really helps crystallize the idea of the work is never done. We are never at the top of the mountain where there is nowhere left to go because we have achieved our greatness. And also the pursuit of greatness, which is, I think, a thing within a lot of Christian churches and organizations, you know, it's, well, we have this many people. We make this much money. We have this big of a building, you We're know, so uniquely positioned. Nobody else. We are doing something special in the world. We are the future. I don't think that position leaves a lot of room for introspection. 
of how can we do better if you're only looking at your outward markers of success. I think if we were in saying like, not how can we do better is in how can we make more money or how can we get more butts in the seats? You know, how can we spin up another campus? Right. If that wasn't our marker for how, how are we growing? How are we doing better? And it was instead, how are we making the world a better place? Like, how are we loving our neighbor better? How are we reaching groups we are currently not reaching? Not by handing them Bibles, but how are we meeting their needs? You know, how are we being the hands and feet of Jesus of going into places and asking, what do you need? How can I help? Yeah. This journey is interesting for you because you, at different points in your life, willing to look at different issues that you hadn't looked at before. And then in 2020, it was like, oh, this one thing I didn't even think I had to look at. I had to look at, Mm -hmm. you were then like, okay, I'm going to apply all these things that I was able to apply that looking at race issues that I didn't think were as big of a deal until I actually started looking at it. I could apply these same critical thinking skills. And I see you doing the same thing in your own church community, like asking questions. Uh, How can we not do this? Are we doing this? Are we a a safe, healthy place? I think it's interesting. A way to like bookend this, the questions of the value of listening to these stories is really about what could I be wrong about is one of the most important things and how you've applied that over the last several years. I think it's really good. Was there anything else you like, I would love to say? I think the things I haven't said, I think it's good to have friends who don't agree with you on everything. I think it's good to have safe people where you can say, where someone says, this is how I feel about this and feel the safety to say, I don't see it that way and push back and not feel like that threatens your whole relationship. Um, In order to be that kind of safe friend, you have to come from a place of humility. I'm going to have my opinions and I might disagree, but I'm also going to listen to you and understand that maybe I'm the one who has to move in this exchange, or maybe neither of us is going to move, right. but at least we'll understand each other a little bit better. I think it's always good to have those differing perspectives. I think it's not good to be in an echo chamber, no matter what that echo chamber is. I also think there are some things that aren't things to intellectually debate that you don't have to give airtime to. Yeah. Like, I don't think that the idea of are people of color equally worthy as white people is a thing that needs to be debated. If someone's on the opposite side of that, I'm just going to be like, no, you are not a safe person for me. Right. So I think healthy disagreement is good, but I think you have to have boundaries around what that healthy disagreement can be and the ability to say either this topic is not up for debate with me. I have a hard boundary around that. Like we are either on the same page on this or we cannot be in relationship or even just a boundary of we can be in a relationship, but I'm not going to debate this with you because there, there are just some certain things that are, I think, deal breakers, but I think we have to really look hard at what our deal breakers are. Are our deal breakers, you can't say anything, you know, you can't critique the, my employer, like that's a weird deal breaker is the deal breaker. You can't point out that a mutual friend hurt you. Why is that one of my deal breakers? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think boundaries are important, but also having that openness to really consider why do my friends who I respect disagree with me on this? Yeah. 
are they coming from? What has their perspective been? And what perspective am I missing? What am I not seeing? And that's where kind of to bring it back to the beginning. I'm like, that's why it's important to tell the stories because you will never know what you're missing if we're not willing to talk about it, you know? And you're never going to see, am I being complicit in something that might be harmful if you don't know what the signs of that are? I didn't know what to look for. And so I didn't see it. I think one of the reasons I didn't know to look for it is because we don't talk about it enough. And I think if more people understood, this is what spiritual abuse looks like in an organizational setting. This is what emotional abuse looks like, or this is how this particular stance plays out in practice. This is how, have you considered how this position affects this community you're not a part of? Right. Is this platitude that you just said, true for everyone or just for a specific group of people? And if it's just for a specific group of people, is it true? All of those things that aren't super pleasant to think about, but (laughs) just kind of orient ourselves as members of a global community rather than these islands of self-righteousness. 